optimum sound throughout this podcast, we suggest you listen to it via headphones or through a surround sound system. This is the Dolby Buzz. We're continuing our exclusive behind-the-scenes look on one of this year's biggest film releases, Sherlock Holmes. This show, we're on the red carpet of the world premiere in London's Leicester Square, with interviews from all the main cast, including Robert Downey Jr. Uh, this is great. It's really cool fans. I'm having a great time. Jude Law. The reason I got involved was to work with Guy and to work with Robert. And director Guy Ritchie. If I went to see a Sherlock Holmes film, this is the film that I'd want to see. Plus, we also catch up with the producers, as well as the music composer Hans Zimmer. Guy would come in and just start sprinkling water on me. We're also back at Dolby to discover the future of film distribution to cinemas and we continue our exclusive competition with Acer. You and I are bound together on a journey that will twist the very fabric of nature. Allow me to enlighten you. Tomorrow the world as you know it will end. Well, there isn't any time to waste then. A packed London's Leicester Square was the setting for the world premiere of Warner Brothers' Sherlock Holmes last week. We had incredible access to the actors as they made their way along the red carpet, or in this case, silhouetted London carpet. First along was Jude Law, and we asked him to describe for us how he played Watson. He's very loyal, military man, slightly anal, but stubborn, and and, and I suppose at the end of the day he can't quite give up his taste of adventure but knows that he needs to settle down. Holmes could be perceived as quite an infuriating character to hang around with, and in the film, you get the impression that Watson has an addiction to him. We asked Jude for his thoughts on the relationship between the two. Well, Holmes is one of those friends that we all have or will all have eventually in life that that have a taste for the eccentric, the, the absurd and a slightly savantic view on everything, which, you know, once you've tasted, I suppose... It's something you can't ever really put down. You don't. You, don't you, you always want a little bit more, even if you know that it's not necessarily good for you. Jude then told us how it was working with Guy Ritchie. You know, the reason I got involved was to work with Guy and to work with Robert. And Guy was Guy was extraordinary. He had all the responsibility and was probably the coolest and calmest man on set every day. Ran a very happy set, very collaborative set, and he knew when to let me and Robert play. And he knew when to tell us to stop playing. And he was the dad to the two bickering sons. Next along the red carpet was Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, producer, Susan. We asked him what he made of the London premiere of the film. Uh, this is great. It's really cool fans. I'm having a great time. Sherlock has just been a, a thrill from the beginning to end. Um, and also, you know, London is a pretty sharp town. And so uh, y- you can't just phone it in. you gotta, you got to <laughs> do your level best. This latest action adventure film brings homes to a new generation. And we asked Robert what his fans could expect. I, I believe they will get um, they'll get their money's worth. I mean, you know, uh, this is a big studio, spent a lot of dough, and we re- worked really hard. I think mm-hmm. the script is strong. I think it's a lot of fun. I think people will be surprised at uh, how funny it is, but also uh, you see a lot of the promotion, and it's all action-oriented, but I think they're going to see that there's something really smart going on there, too, and a good mystery at its core. Lord Blackwood. The witness stated that he saw Lord Blackwood rise from the grave. He's going to raise a force that will alter the course of the world. He's just as brilliant as you are, and infinitely more devious. We'll see about that. In the movie, Mark Strong plays Lord Blackwood. We asked him if he was excited about the film. I'm very excited. I really enjoyed making this one, and I think it's a really good film. I saw it a while ago, but unfinished, so I'm dying to see it done. Lord Blackwood is Holmes' nemesis in the movie. We asked Mark if he felt it was better playing the villain, and if Lord Blackwood was entirely evil, or just a little bit misunderstood. Yeah, I kind of enjoy them, and, and, and I think the reason is that... 
villains are kind of psychologically more interesting. Good guys are just good guys, and uh, you're grateful that they're good because that's all they're designed to be. Villains have got to have something about them that makes you want to find out what the hell is going on. So I enjoy, from an acting point of view, delving into the villains. In every villain, you have to find a reason for why they are. And he actually, without giving anything away, was conceived in very strange circumstances, has a very odd father, and has had a weird upbringing. So, to my mind, he's only getting his own back. It's not that he's inherently evil. Next down the red carpet was director Guy Ritchie. We had to ask him how the premiere, less than a mile from where Arthur Conan Doyle set the fictional detective series on Baker Street, compared to others he'd been to? Uh, I can't tell you. I think these are the best premieres. I mean, I don't think anywhere has uh, Leicester Square's thing you know it's just look at it if you look around it it's just big you, you can you can take over the whole square no here's here's the best and obviously it's my home and you know it only seems fitting that uh, the the world premiere should be here guy went on to tell us how he would describe his new look holmes and watson this is the film that uh, if i want if i went to see a sherlock holmes film this is the film that i'd want to see so i just bore that in mind all the way through it's the film that i'd want to go and see guy ritchie was brought up on a diet of sherlock holmes stories and told us they played a big part in his childhood. No, I knew all the stories very well. I knew the students fluently, really. I knew them from tapes before I could uh, read. So, uh, yeah, I knew them all from tape. Nine track or whatever it was. So I was familiar with all of them, yeah. You know, it was forced upon me. It was I was at boarding school, and if you if you were a good boy, what they used to do is they used to flick on the speaker, and you could listen to the stories if you were bad. They got flicked off. And all as they had was Sherlock Holmes. So I was at this school for three years, and that's all we had is a diet of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> for three years. So I had an idea of what I thought Sherlock Holmes would be, and it wasn't... I didn't have the baggage, because I've never seen a film. I've never seen any of the uh, TV series. So I never had a... Uh, a uh, the, the baggage of uh, what home should look like. Obviously, you can't get away from the uh, the obvious icons and symbols of uh, hats and the magnifying glasses, deer stalkers, but they were never really referred to in the uh, in the books. Watson, what have you done? <laughs> Madam, I need you to remain calm, and trust me, I'm a professional. But beneath this pillow lies the key to my release. <laughs> We asked producer Joel Silver what people can expect from this version of Sherlock Holmes. I mean, it's a fantastic movie, and it, it, it can, it's very true to the original stories, but it's it's fresh, and it's original, and it really is a very contemporary take on the... Uh, it is 1890, but it's a very contemporary feel to the movie, and I, I think it came out very well. Joel told us what it was like working with Robert, Jude, and the rest of the cast. I mean, they're terrific. I mean, Robert can do anything. He can play... He can do comedy, he can do tragedy, he can do humour, dancing singing he can actually play african-american he can play anything but uh, but he just is the perfect guy to play the role he inhabits the character beautifully and it's just it's, it's great to see him be sherlock holmes it's a movie for the whole family it really is a really good really holiday family movie I'm, i just think that people will really enjoy it if they go see it it was raining as the stars walked down the red carpet we asked hans if when creating the very atmospheric score for the film he visited London during a winter's evening rainfall for inspiration. Absolutely no guy would come in and just start sprinkling water on me. No, yeah, you know, and create fog in my room. No, that's great. <laughs> we asked Hans if Sherlock Holmes was a film he wanted to work on straight away. Actually, I was the first person to see it, you know, and, and I was sort of going, yeah, you know, let's have a look at this. He had me in, in 20 seconds. And we had to ask Hans what was so great about working on this movie. Guy, Jude Law and um, Mr Downey. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable performances. And it's funny. It's great. Great story. Holmes, leave the case alone. Case for you. Save your bullets, Watson. 
Competition time now, and we've teamed up with Acer Computers to offer you the chance to win an Acer Aspire laptop complete with Dolby Home Theatre. All you have to do to enter is head to our new Sherlock Holmes microsite at dolby.com. Good luck! The future of cinema distribution is changing with advances in technology allowing faster and more secure distribution to venues. We caught up with Louise Crunkright, the digital cinema coordinator at Dolby, to discover exactly what this involves. We make the film, the guys I work with make the film, and it goes on hard drives to the cinema. So it's shipped in exactly the same way as the 35mm is, but it's an encrypted data format which they can load onto their server and then play back. Um, it does mean there's some extra security elements involved there for the distributors, so it can be encrypted, so they can be a bit more specific about when it's played and, and things like that. But other than that, it should and better quality than the 35mm in some people's eyes. What was that about saving bullets? First point of attack. Right here, two throat, three crab ribs. In summary, neutralised. We got into digital cinema when we started building the equipment side. We were building digital cinema service to go into cinemas and we got in on a mastering and distribution side in order to supply the content to those servers. So um, we got into a content preparation side, which obviously meant moving into image, but we do obviously have a lot of people in the company now working into image in different areas in cinema and in the home and things like that. Um, so, But we obviously have a lot of skills that help us to go in those different areas, but it was mainly to help us seed the market with content for our equipment. And we've just grown um, to, to supplying um, to a, a lot of cinemas <laughs> rather than just our own. So we supply all server manufacturers' content and a variety of different films in both 2D and 3D. You've never complained about my methods before. I never complain. When do I complain about you practicing the violin at three in the morning? Your general lack of hygiene or your experiment on my dog? Just kill the dog. Again. Louise, why is cinema moving away from traditional film and towards digital solutions? One of it is Im image quality. It's also because 35mm pictures will deteriorate in quality over time the more they're played, whereas the digital image will be consistent so they can play them for much longer. Also, the model works out a lot cheaper than a 35mm print and there's the potential there in the future for going to different models like satellite delivery or over fibre as opposed to going for hard drive so it can completely revolutionise the model of distributing to cinemas. Dolby are involved in, in looking into sending by satellite and um, over electronic methods in other ways so yes that's already already on the way. I wanted to change the world but I'll settle for ending yours. I wish you would. I don't think all cinemas necessarily mention that they're screening them digitally um, I'd like to think that you'd be able to notice the difference if you were watching a digital film as opposed to a 35mm one. It should look different, it should look a lot crisper and you wouldn't necessarily have some of the same looks that you might be able to see in, in film. But I think different people's eyes are able to see different things in that. Uh, with 3D screenings, then a lot of the 3D screenings, most of the 3D screenings in cinema at the moment are in digital 3D and they're only really available in digital 3D. So for those, you'll be able to see it. Um, and you'll know that you're seeing digital, um, but it's it's a it's an, a visual thing that you may or may not be aware of. I know that some punters probably can't tell the difference. Get that out of my face. It's not in your face. It's in my hand. Get what's in your hand out of my face. Uh, they've been flirting like this for hours. There's about probably about three hundred three hundred and fifty digital cinemas in the UK. Not all necessarily Dolby equipment. Um, but that's compared to the number of screens. There's a, most of the major multiplexes and some of the independents have got one of their screens, but obviously they're still screening 35mm in, in their other screens. 
Um, there's a couple of all digital multiplexes. And um, yeah, so I'd say about probably about 350 in the UK are screening digitally now, and most of those in 3D as well. It's more the um, distributors who are choosing the format because um, they've got extra options of encrypting their content and restricting when they can play it. And it's it's them who the models are going to affect mm. the distribution models and the, the cost effectiveness of it. Watson, you have the grand gift of silence. Makes you quite invaluable as a companion. Ah! I deal with administration and logistics, so organising the mastering, which is the content being prepared before it goes to cinemas, and then taking the bookings from the distributors and making sure the content gets to the cinema in time for their release. And then also, because the content's encrypted most of the time, feature content, so it's organising the playback keys so that they can actually play it at the cinema once they've got it, and so that they can only play it when they've been authorised to play it by the distributor. They can load it onto a digital cinema server in a screen or some cinemas will have what we call a library server and they can load it onto that and they can push it into their different screens. I know that when we first had some of our servers going into cinemas, we put one in the local cinema and and surveyed people whether they could tell the difference and some of them couldn't really notice the difference at all, which obviously makes it quite interesting. But um, I think the main main advantages of it probably aren't necessarily for the, the viewer, they're probably more for the distributors than for the viewer, but hopefully with 3D and things, I'll start noticing. Stones, you underestimate the gravity of coming events. Before we go, don't forget to enter our exclusive competition to win an Acer laptop, complete with Dolby Home Theatre. To enter, go to dolby.com. Good luck. Oh, and don't forget, you can now follow us on Twitter too. Check us out at twitter.com slash dolbybuzz. Next show, we'll get more personal with the cast and producers as they begin their promotional activity. We'll see you then. Entertainment surrounds you. Shouldn't your audio insist on Dolby? Dolby. <gasps>